Megan, you know what I love about our partner, The Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms. Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of The Essential Calendar, a seasonal at-a-glance poster-sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to The Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 388 of The Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? I'm good. I feel like, you know, we're Halloween's right around the corner, and I feel like this is what kicks off the official holiday season, sort of, you know, like, and it sort of accelerates from here. It's like, we're at the top of the hill and we're going to start, well, we're going to start rolling down, picking up speed. Is that the right? No, I was picturing those cartoonish, like snowballs that get bigger and bigger. Um, Yeah. yeah. And it's funny. I do think we end up with an episode like this almost every year where it's some kind of like a, a pep talk or like a zoomed out reminder as we head into all of the holiday, all of the holiday hoopla. And so I'm excited about this. This is going to be a fun episode. I agree. And I think what I really love about this is that it's not really holiday specific. And even if like you don't do Halloween, you don't care about Thanksgiving and maybe you don't do the winter holidays, like you will find something to identify with here because it's kind of a universal mom experience where when your kids are really little, maybe you're able to hang on to the idea that you can still I don't know, control the way of the holidays run, especially, but like kind of even better than that. Not only can you still control it, but now you have a kid to do it for. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a very powerful feeling to feel like you can shape a child's experience. And you're right. We are going to use the holidays as a framework, but you could, you could say that about taking your child to um, like on a hike for the first time or exposing them to certain music or movies. It's like, we get this real rush. It was very fun for me in those years to feel like I really had a lot of um, influence or like positive power in a positive way to shape and create experiences for my children. And then, and then what happens? Well, then they get older and they have an opinion (laughs) and they're, and then they're able to like express their opinion in words. And peer pressure kind of comes yes. in, um, both on the parent's side and on the kid's side. So that you almost have like, um, separate, but equal, yeah. uh, parenting peer pressure and then kid peer pressure sort of colliding in those school years. And it just creates kind of this mishmash of like what mom wants, what, what the kids want, who's going to win this battle, or is it going to become a battle? And now I'm kind of like, I crested Let's okay. Like another, you know, I, I went to the bottom of the Valley and came yeah. back up that Hill. And now I've kind of crested that with my kids and I'm getting to reclaim big parts of the holidays for myself now, yeah. um, in a way I really hadn't been able to for a long time. And there's some great things about that and some, honestly, some loneliness in that too. Sure. So it's all like a big, it's a, just a big mess. 
Well, and I think when we were talking about this uh, in in real time, this we talked about this idea when we were in Dallas together. And I think it was you who said it's like a bell curve. So it's like you have kind of all of the say the say so um, in terms of shaping the holidays for your family. And then it you it dips. I don't know if this bell curve is going down or up. I, th- I guess you could depending on how our axes are labeled, it could right. go either way. But um, there is a steep decline or incline where you are rapidly losing that power and influence and control and say so where really the kids are dominating. And then, like you said, the you crest and on the other side is now you reclaiming this for yourself. So I agree. I, I think this is true outside of the holidays, but it's fun to use this sort of Halloween entry point to talk about the bell curve. And that that is the structure we're going to use today. So we're going to share kind of our memories and experiences of the ways we really took a um, like took a lot of pride in shaping our kids holiday experiences in certain ways when they were tiny. And then the ways when it got away from us. And I think I'm yeah. in the thick of that right now with kids 14, 12 and nine who have ideas, um, their own plans, their own. It's like we're we're heading into Halloween week and like this is not this is not the Halloween I would design, put it that way. Right. And that's okay. Yes. And then yeah. you'll get to really share what it looks like on, on the other side of that. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle. Whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code themomhour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. 
That's a one-time use only. Vionic shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, Sarah. So we touched on the fact that when the kids are small, um, there's, there's a fair amount of mom taking the reins and making the holiday experience that, you know, that she wants or that she thinks the family should have, which are sometimes two very different sure. things. Right. Um, but let's talk about what that looked like when, I don't know, it was like all about the kids, but it was also really kind of about us. Mm-hmm. Right. You, yeah. 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 It, it, it might've appeared to the outside world that we were doing these things for the children. But I think if you're a newer mom, a lot of it comes from our own excitement of things we want to do or yeah. So for sure, I, these were my glory years. These were the years where Sarah got to, I don't know, like act out whatever fantasies I had of little family holiday traditions. And the kids had very little say. So some, some memories I have, I mean, outfits and dressing my babies for sure was a way that was like, it was like creative expression for me. I don't remember doing it for the, for the gram as the young people say, because actually social media was pretty new when I had my very first baby and the, the like ever present photo stream was not a thing, even though social media was around, but the expectation that you were constantly sharing photos was, was in its infancy. So I actually think that choosing outfits was had nothing to do with social media peer pressure and everything to do with like a creative outlet for myself and all those baby clothes being so cute. And so this is not just for like uh, the holiday card, although I definitely did that. I'm talking like Halloween costumes I would pick out and look look forward to putting them on my kids, what they wore to Thanksgiving dinner, like styling the whole family for a holiday card photo. There was a onesie that all of my babies wore. That's like in retrospect, kind of corny, but I thought it was so clever at the time. And it said, all mommy wants for Christmas is a silent night. Again, this is before memes. Like this is before this stuff was was a meme. Yeah, it was. It was like, turn your baby into a meme. All three of my babies wore that. It felt like real life playing with baby dolls or dressing Barbies or whatever you did, American girl, like whatever you did when you were a kid where you just got to like, think about the hair accessory and the shoes. And I just loved it. And I guess it seems, I don't know, it's kind of obvious or basic, but I think it was a way that I felt so festive. Um, Mm. and it was so fun for me and spoiler alert, like eventually the kids did care what they wore and I had to give that up, but that was really fun for me. Okay, so I am going to ditto this with even added context that my oldest kids were not only pre any social media, um, there were websites, but like not even when Jacob was born, there weren't even like blogs yet. Um, So this was and there weren't digital cameras. So I don't even have photographic evidence of some of these outfits, like if the pictures turned out great, some of them are lost to time. Some of them just were never photographed. So I totally agree with you that it was for, it was for me. It was a, it was because it was adorable and it felt also like, you know, you have this baby and every day is kind of the same for a while. And now Uh here's a special day that we get to, you know, dress them up and turn them into like a little work of art. Um, I actually, yeah, I actually remember having the, I believe it was the one step ahead catalog, which does not exist anymore. We were just lamenting that not too long ago, but that was a big thing for a couple of decades at least. Um, very instrumental in early parenthood for me. And there was a peapod costume in it, a baby peapod costume for Halloween. And I could, I always would forget to get it 
until it was sold out in the size of the baby that I had. And I never got to dress my baby as a Peapod. And I still, and you still would like day, to, Aww. I want to dress one of my adult kids as a Peapod. <laughs> I think that, that would be, be amazing. Please choose the hilarious. largest one. Please choose yeah. William. <laughs> <laughs> like a six foot three Peapod. That would be amazing. I'm going to ask him if he will do that. Actually, Clara is looking for a costume. We're recording this like, you know, a week ahead or so. And she's still looking for a costume. Maybe she would do it. But anyway, um, I do. And, and holidays, same thing. Like I had several babies right before Christmas. Um, so like they would be in like snuggly little, I don't know, Santa suits or, um, really cute. I remember there was like this little khaki outfit with a, with a tuck in shirt that I just thought newborn was on a newborn, (laughs) you know, they don't even bend their legs really. So, well, they're always kind of bent, but they're all torso. It's like, they don't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, and it's like, there's no waste that I had these little, um, flannel lined, like plaid flannel lined, oh, yes. uh, khakis that the boys all wore. So here's what I will say about this. And I don't know if this was your experience or not. I kind of went all in on this stuff with the first two kids. Then I just kept repeating it until like, I kept repeating the cute costume, the cute puppy dog costume yeah. that four of my kids wore. Like I just kind of ran out of steam on choosing new things every time and did a lot of repetition. And then it was just getting the new baby and the old thing yeah. either for tradition's sake or laziness sake, or because I already had it or whatever. Um, I don't know, but like the experience of buying all the new and coming up with the new artistic expression was definitely like a first and second kid thing for me. So I think for me, I did get a resurgence with the third kid and, and that I do blame a little bit on the more ubiquitousness of social sharing. And like, I think clothes got really cute. So Violet was born in early 2013. Um, and probably closer in age to a lot of our listeners, kids. And I just feel like I was a little more tuned into baby style and on trend myself. And so I actually think I had just as much fun the third time around, but yeah, I, I I totally know what you mean. Remember children's place in the mall Without yes. everything that is kind where of those, like, um, I think that's where those khaki pants came from. That actually. would not surprise me because they, yeah. everything <laughs> was like lightly coordinated. And so it was yes. possible to just string together, um, sibling, like sibling yep. coordination. It just was all so much fun. And I was thinking you only have, no matter if your baby's born in November or like January, you're, they're only going to be an infant under one for one holiday season. And then maybe the next year it's like a young toddler. Those first yeah. two holiday seasons are really where it is. It is real life baby doll dressing. That's how I yeah. felt. And my first two babies are born in late spring. So they were actually that six, seven months, which was like such a fun because they were sitting yeah. up and the hats looked cute and they were starting yeah. to get waist. Yes. Yes. They had like <laughs> bendable, bendable legs. Oh my goodness. And then, yeah, a toddler, a toddler in a tiny, a tiny romper or dress or oh. suit or whatever. So fun. So yes, um, all of the mom control for the outfits from October through January <laughs> and all the rest of the year too. But we're, we're really leaned in extra, during that extra. <laughs> extra, extra. Well, another way that I, I think really enjoyed having taking a more heavy hand was when my kids were small, I sort of limited their exposure to like the type of eighties and nineties consumerism that I think a lot of us and our listeners probably grew up with where you would get a catalog and you would see TV commercials for toys. And that was kind of what drove like everybody's holiday wish list, at least in my family and my friend group. 
But with my kids, um, they were not watching network programming at all. They were watching like PBS kids on the iPad if they watched anything. And then we didn't really do a lot of they weren't watching a lot in general. And I was able to like check toy catalogs as they arrived. So when my kids were like, I'm going to say one, two, three, maybe four. It's not that they had never been in the toy aisle of a Target. Of course they had on occasion, um, but we didn't go to the mall regularly. Um, we didn't do a lot of like licensed character stuff and they weren't watching. They weren't watching commercials. That was the big one. So I had a lot of ability to kind of shape their holiday wish lists and control what kind of gifts and toys would eventually make it under the tree. And I, um, I liked that as a mom, I liked that. Like if we wanted to gift a dollhouse or a train set, I didn't have to deal with the fact that my kid like really wanted the Thomas version or the Barbie version. Um, cause they just hadn't been all that exposed to that. Again, if you're, if you're following along at home, you know, all this is going to change. Like then my kids went to school and like figured out all of the amazing toys and video games and licensed character, everything that exists. And in part two, in the second half of the show, we're going to talk about letting go of all this control. But that was, I actually really liked that. I felt like I had a good handle on what kind of play things were coming into our house. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you remember that um, for a long time, Clara didn't know that Target had a toy aisle? Yes. Yeah, but remind me, because <laughs> you'd only well, taken her in and like gone in and out. It was like a pure survival thing. It was just a time of my life when I was so busy with all the kids I had. You know, I had five yeah. kids at this point. And Clara was the youngest. And I finally got wise that like I had wasted so much of my life energy standing in the Target toy aisle with a kid who wasn't going to get anything and knew it, but still just couldn't let go. Or a kid who actually had been given a budget and couldn't choose. Like both of those things were equally awful. And so I was like, well, what if I, what if Clara just never saw it? And (laughs) so I told her the dollar aisle at the front was the toy aisle. And I would let her pick something out every time we went in and it, she would be like thrilled. There, there weren't really even toys up there. It'd be like a little craft. It's or, why she loves crafts. You turned her yeah, into an artist probably. in the target dollar um, section. But that like, I would love to say that was because I had some high, like, I don't know, uh, you know, like some like values or something. And it was more just like, ugh, I can't, I cannot deal with this toy aisle for one more kid. So, um, yeah, I, 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 it took her a really long time to figure it out. Um, Okay. So I actually, it's kind of funny because my oldest, I almost have like three different experiences of having little kids because I have them so spread out and so many. So when Jake and Isaac were little, very similar, actually, they watched PBS almost exclusively. Um, and a little bit of Nick, because I think that's what had like blues clues and stuff on it, but it was a lot of VHS tapes. Mm -hmm. We still had a VCR. Um, and then we got a DVD player, but like a lot of, a lot of control over the media and not a lot of commercials on, um, as, as my older kids got older and younger kids came into the house that changed for the younger kids. I wouldn't say I noticed the youngers desiring a ton more commercial or like licensed characters and stuff. I think they just knew more about what all was out there and they would want weird things like made for TV, like, um, yeah, seen on TV stuff like the chocolate fountain and like those kinds of right. things they would beg for. Um, but it's kind of funny cause I had like almost an opposite thing where I really wanted my kids to relive some of the nostalgic stuff from when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I would like very purposely make sure they had a toy catalog because I wanted to like leaf through a toy catalog with them. I wanted yeah. to go through the wish book. I wanted to relive that experience or I wanted them to watch like, um, 
it's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown mm-hmm. or Charlie Brown Christmas. And just like the things I remembered from being a kid, which often was on commercial TV. Now, the funny thing is they only wanted to watch those things with me for like two years. And then they were over it because yeah. better cartoons came along, yeah. I guess. If you think anything's better than the great pumpkin, I don't know what's wrong with you. Something's something's wrong. But um, so it was like, yeah, I was like trying, you were trying to like keep it at bay yeah. and I was literally trying to force it. Uh-huh. And I guess probably it backfired on to some level for both of us, or it just didn't work out. You know, it was nice, but then at some point you have to kind of give up the ghost. Well, yeah, that's the bell curve. Like they're they're, they're, either way, you're not going to have your way for long. Yeah, I did want to briefly mention food. I think that's something that's really relevant at uh, Halloween and Christmas in particular, um, that when my kids were really little, especially when my oldest kids were little, um, I could, you know, it was very easy to have them trick or treat all night and then have some of the candy disappear and they'd never even know. Yeah. Like they had no, they had no concept of how much had been collected. So they had, they were just excited to have any. Um, so they had no concept of the fact that when they woke up the next day, most of it was gone, that they just didn't get it and cookies and like making my own sugar-free versions of baked goods of Christmas and things like that. Like that I tried real hard at for about three years. And then I think, (laughs) <laughs> and then that was, that was over. That yeah. was over. Um, yeah. Similar to the food thing, when it came to like fun things on our schedule, yeah. I was laughing as, as we were like making these notes, like how many tree lightings and Santa sitting on and trunk or treats do my kids have no idea that they didn't go to when they were little. Like I was just pretty intentional with our family calendar and I was pretty big on their early bedtimes. And it's not that we didn't do anything, but there was a lovely amount of um, control I had in those early years about what we did and what we didn't do. And they, they were none the wiser because they, they weren't um, I guess like, they weren't seeing the opportunities. They weren't, it wasn't a flyer that came home in their folder or a thing their friend is going to, or I don't know how else do you find out about things? You see like a sign up at the store or a commercial on local TV. You have to know they're a thing. And, um, I did very much enjoy, uh, I guess partaking of holiday fun to the degree that I wanted to, but I was, I was a sleep deprived, like, overwhelmed mom of really tiny kids. I didn't want to do all the things. I didn't want to go to the mall and have fake snow and hot cocoa and stand in a long line. And and there was so much that I said no to. And my kids never knew that I said no to. And those were the glory years because, yeah, you know, they do figure that out eventually. Well, and I think too, there's a way to, um, even if you're not as I know that you and I can be skippers about mm-hmm. things sometimes yeah. for different reasons, but we both like to skip we get like a perverse pleasure out of skipping fun. Sometimes Um, you can also just choose to do it in a really minor, small way. Like I remember taking my kids trick-or-treating for 10 minutes Mm -hmm. to four houses and they'd be like, well, that was it. (laughs) And they had no idea. Like they didn't know it was supposed to be a two hour procedure. Like all the fun was in putting on their costumes and walking out the door and saying hello to some neighbors and then call it a night. So um, I think there's lots of ways to like, uh, let's like engage with those traditions or those opportunities on a very micro scale that yes. might feel more like where you're at as a mom this yeah. year. Yeah. Um, you know, you had mentioned like really getting to kind of control the experience and I have really, and this is kind of along the same lines, really more about the actual, um, clock schedule. Mm-hmm. I remember when my kids were really little, 
And then again, later when they were old enough to kind of want to do their own thing, it's getting back there now. But like, we would just do things on the adult schedule. So we had Halloween parties that started that were really meant for adults and the kids would start out the night, Mm -hmm. you know, with us. And then they would just kind of go along for the ride until they went to bed. Yeah. And then we would continue adulting. Um, and that kind of did fade out when the kids lives and schedules and, and when their holiday wishes started to become more, I don't know, more the thing that had to take priority, I guess. I think that's actually, I hadn't thought about this till you just said this, but one of the sort of shifts that happens when you're a brand new parent is that you're carrying in whatever kind of adult holiday traditions or things you usually do into your now kid life. And, um, that is a, that is a part of, that's a curve of its own, I guess. Like, I feel like in the first couple of years, especially if you just have one baby and you wait a bit and that's your only baby for a while, you may be, like you said, trying to, or wanting to continue to do quite a few of your adult traditions, either with baby in tow or lining up a sitter. And then there's something that happens as, as a peer group, as more and more people have kids. And as everyone Mm. adds like a second kid, it feels like quite a few of those adult traditions fall away or you opt out for a few years or they just shift and change. And I, I was lucky enough to feel mostly okay with that. Cause I think I, I enjoyed, I think the things we were choosing to do as a family, as a young family. But I think if you're, if you're experiencing kind of like the bummer side of that, like you used to really love the office holiday party, but it's like not practical when you're breastfeeding or whatever, like whatever the thing is, I think it's also natural to feel kind of bummed about that, that you're not like you're somehow missing out on holiday book club and all the things Mm -hmm. because now everybody's got kids. So that's, that's like a whole side of a whole like transition that we're, you know, I did, didn't really even think about. Well, it's interesting because when my kids, we were the first and we had kids really young and we were the first of anyone in any of our friend yeah. groups to have um, kids um, in and the then, world. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then we were also the first of uh, my siblings and, you know, Max's siblings to have kids, except for my sister, older sister who did have kids. But I remember hanging out with people when like I was kind of like an experienced or becoming an experienced mom and they either didn't have kids yet or maybe were just about to or had just had them. And then be like, oh, you guys, you know, you, you're, you guys can still hang. You're still cool. Like, we're going to be just like that. And I thought, no, you won't yeah. because you won't have to be because right. by the time you have kids, everybody else will have kids. So yeah. everything will shift. We were almost like having to like pioneer, like blaze uh-huh. the trail and like slowly say, yeah, we do want to hang up, but can we move that up like mm-hmm. an hour or, you know, we can't get there until later because we got to get the kids down to bed or whatever. So it was kind of. I, it was kind of cute that everyone thought they were going to do parenthood and like fitting it around yeah. like that transition the same. And I thought, well, no, you will never have to, right. or you won't be able to, because right. by the time you have kids, no one will be doing this stuff anymore. And everyone will be going to bed at eight 30. So right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. 
Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Sarah, we're welcoming our sponsor, Element. That's spelled L-M-N-T, a zero sugar electrolyte drink that leans on current science about what our bodies really need in order to deliver the most effective hydration possible. You know, Sarah, Eric is really into keeping up with health research, and he's been insisting to me for years that we actually need more salt to stay hydrated. Turns out Element agrees because they've developed their product based on a growing body of research that shows that for optimal health outcomes, we actually need to be taking in sodium levels at two to three times government recommendations. That's a big difference. Yeah, it really is, Megan. And, you know, electrolyte deficiency or imbalances can cause headaches, cramps, fatigue, brain fog, and weakness. I know I can feel really rotten when I'm dehydrated. And also, I don't love the taste of plain water, so I'm not that great about drinking it. Element makes a huge difference in how much I'm enjoying my hydration and in how I feel, and it's super easy to fit it into my daily routine. My favorite flavor of Element is the grapefruit, but if that's not for you, we're going to get you set up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite Element flavor. Plus, Element has a no-questions-asked refund policy. You don't even have to send the product back to get your refund. Yeah, you can receive a free Element sample pack containing one packet of eight flavors, so you'll get eight total packets free with any order when you purchase through our custom URL. That's drinkelement.com slash momhour, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership, and it's available for both new and returning customers. To get that offer, again, go to drinkelement.com slash momhour. Okay, so let's dive in and talk about um, the years where the kids have their own ideas and their own plans and their Mm -hmm. friends at school who are talking about the things and you sort of have to like just lean in. And it's not to say we let go completely or we don't still strive for some intentionality around our holiday, how our family does the holidays. But there is definitely a releasing of the reins. And so yeah. what comes up for you as you remember this? Because like you said in the beginning, you're actually now, even this phase is in the past for you, whereas I feel like I am very much in it. So I feel like I was pretty fortunate that really all of my kids came of age before. And when I say came of age, I mean like school age, like mm-hmm. where they started to notice what other kids were doing. Before social media took over quite as much, even Clara, um, you know, she was born in 2009. I don't feel like most people like was Instagram even around until uh, 2012, 2013, something like that. And most people really weren't on it then. I just feel like there's there's been a um, an explosion of the number of ways your kids can be influenced and the different routes by which they could be influenced. And mine had a significantly less. So. 
Um, I don't, I actually think I was pretty good at, at not bringing any rituals or traditions or routines or expectations into our holiday ever really. And, and that's probably a too large of a statement, but I don't remember feeling the pressure that I think a lot of parents have now to do some things they don't want to do. Um, that said, the thing that I think of when I think of the kids taking over is the decor. Yeah. Uh, like let's have a tale of two Halloweens <laughs> and then I'm going to do a tale of two Christmases because okay. they're very, okay. So tale of two Halloweens pre kids for me, a Halloween display would have been artful, restrained, um, Harvest a inspired. Good, yes. But with a spooky element oh, sure. that was, you know, like Martha Stewart, spooky, probably just really stolen out of the pages of Edgar Martha Allen Stewart living. Poe. Yeah. Just like, Yes. Understated and tasteful, tastefully spooky. Then it became like those gel clings that stick in the windows yes. and um, like spider web everywhere, like a bit clumpy yeah, because they kids aren't do very it. good. Right. Yeah. Kids aren't good at doing those. And um, like just gross things that I would never choose. A lot of um, mechanized mm, things sure. that Battery groan and operated. move and moan and squeal and, um, hiss and, um, like tacky, you know, I don't know. I didn't really ever get into inflatables, but I could see a, a world where that could have happened. I, I think we are like <laughs> one holiday season away. I've, I, we, I, I'm not going to take over. I'm going to wait my turn, but we have front yard, we have what front yard situation, both for Halloween and Christmas. And I don't think I can, I don't think I can say anymore that we'll never do inflatables. I'm afraid, I'm afraid of eating my own work. So last year, the, there was a house in our neighborhood that did inflatables for every single holiday. And they were like really over the top. Like their whole yard was full of Halloween inflatables, then Christmas inflatables. So it was like basically four straight months of inflatables. And the first few times the kids and I drove by, Owen and Clara made fun of it. Like, oh, that's a little extra and whatever these kids say. And then by like the third week, they're like, I don't know. I think maybe I might. So like they were being like acclimatized to uh -huh. it and becoming to where they wanted something they had thought was ridiculous mere, mere weeks earlier. So I won't rule it out for you either. So, so really that, it, and, and the kids always wanted weaponry. They wanted to go to party city and get really expensive weaponry <laughs> And then have it just, I guess, leaned around. I'm like, why do, why do you want like a forty dollar cleaver with fake blood on it? They're like, I don't know. It's just really cool. So that was Halloween. Wait, and pause. Then, I have a question. Did you, okay. when you were a newer mom, did you ever have a lofty ideal that play weapons would never make it into your I'm house? Sure, I, I, At some yes, point, I'm probably, sure right? I did. Yeah. Yes, I'm sure I did. I got over it so fast I, or so long ago. I don't yeah. remember it. But yeah, especially something with fake blood on it. Right. Come on. Right. Um, and then there was Christmas. My very first Christmas as a mom, we had a tiny little tree and I, I um, did it with gold bows and gold balls oh. that coordinated. They, they were like slightly different shades of gold and like... Um, pink something. Oh, pink balls too. Pink and gold and then white lights. And that was it. That was the whole tree. So, it was so intentional. So so it lovely. was so intentional. So tasteful. Last year, there were so <laughs> many kid made ornaments with that kid's picture, school picture from that year on yeah, it. And oh, then yeah. like some macaroni glued on it or whatever. There was so many that I started to think, 
I don't even, they don't even fit on the tree anymore. I don't, maybe I need a second tree. Do I just start giving them to the kids and telling them to put them up in their own rooms? Like it was so ridiculous. So there you go. This is like a tale of two Halloweens, a tale yes. of two Christmases. And I actually, I am not like the most visually creative person, but I love decorating. Yeah. And so there was a part of me that just had to like, let go of what I wanted things to look like and what they wound up looking like. And I know there's a million memes and funny yeah. videos. And I think feel like there was a commercial last year that was making the rounds that I thought was very clever. And was a mom like redecorating the tree uh-huh. when her kids leave oh, the room. So I'll, I'll have to one. see yeah. if I can find that one. But it, it's just, it's, it's the struggle is real. I did get to kind of lean in. I kind of allowed it to become fun, I guess. Yeah. Mark, I think. Well, so I, I feel like I have so much to say about this and I am right in the middle of it. But as you're talking, I, I, what I want moms to know that it's always okay to continue to reserve a special thing that is just for you that you don't let the kids mess up. So I don't want anybody coming away from this episode thinking we're saying, well, you just give up and let the kids yeah. take over for a few years. I think what's tricky is, and where I have even been pleasantly surprised is figuring out which things I really do care about, which hills I'm going to die on, as we like to say, which things truly bring me joy and which things are just new. And I'm feeling that push pull tension of kids wanting, having their own opinions. And at first it feels uncomfortable and I don't like it. But then if you kind of, if you do let go and lean in, it can actually uh, build on itself as its own kind of joy and tradition. And so I think that is the Therein lies the tricky part is um, knowing which things to truly reserve for yourself and then knowing which things like to let change and and really look for the the sweetness in the change. So I'll give a couple of examples. We'll stick with Halloween since that's next week. The spider webs you mentioned and the kids wanting to do the decorating themselves is the hardest thing for me as a mom. It was a little bit hard for me to let go of like just a few pumpkins on the porch or more like harvest themes. And like you said, tasteful and simple and get into things like skeletons and ghosts and things like that. But I, I eventually was okay with that, but then it's like, they want to place it where they want to place it. And it looks in my control freak brain. It looks so bad. I'm like, that does not look good. And so that was like the biggest challenge for me. But here's the thing. Violet is coming up on 10. So I no longer have five and six year olds. And now my kids are really darn creative. So last weekend, we finally got out the outside Halloween stuff and I bought a couple more things. And Luke made an entire scene in the front yard with a skeleton in a pretend swimming pool. He was hauling dirt. He made like a dirt pool with a lawn chair, a skeleton wearing sunglasses. Um, it's like an entire tableau. Now, Megan, this is not the front yard that I want. Let's be clear. This is not. However. But it's the one that you got. But it's the one that I got, but it actually was executed well. So it's like, it's like there's the motif I don't love, like the campy, weird plastic skeletons. But then there's the um, the type A in me that wants it at least to look clean and organized and like well thought out. And it does. So that's my point is that eventually the kids have taken over, but they're now doing actually a really delightful job. And I would say the same thing about like when they want to wrap their own presents and put them under the tree, when they want to help decorate the tree. So like there is within this bell curve, there's a wonderful thing that happens when you do let go where like they actually get good and pretty soon their gingerbread house 
they don't they aren't having a screaming fit because they want to do it yes. themselves but it keeps falling down in a couple years they want to do it themselves but they actually can so there's like yeah. there's this own sort of like unfolding that happens that I am now seeing as really sweet because we now have traditions and things that are not what I would choose. They're still not what I would choose when we get to the later part of the bell curve. There's not going to be skeletons in my front yard, but it's really cool in and of itself. Um, well, and, and I think this is like, this is the point of parenthood, right? Like this is the whole goal. We, we let them come in and mess up our lives when they're little <laughs> and demand and demand and demand. And like, you know, just learn and yeah. be messy. And then the idea is they contribute. Like they yeah. start to legitimately contribute to everything going on and they, um, they get good at it. They yep. get, they get to where they want, they have their own, especially if they've been allowed, I think to experiment and have some freedom and not feel like they're in a, a little box. I feel like then they, they're like, Oh yeah, this would be really fun. I'm going to go out in the yard and, and make a tableau and yeah. that's going to be great. Um, I was also going to say, I wrote on Insta our Instagram account a couple of weeks ago now about my experience where, and, and we'll talk about the bell curve and how things are getting different. Um, but nobody has asked me to go like Halloween costume shopping with right. me for years. Right. And then when Clara was like, Oh, let's go get some Halloween stuff. I was really excited, but it turns out her taste has turned out more like my taste used to be like, nobody wants the tacky stuff anymore. And there's right. a little part of me that's like, ah. so it changes fast. It yeah. changes fast. Yeah. Sarah, I do have a question for you. You mentioned reserving space just for yourself. Um, mm -hmm which has been a strategy of mine, not as much at Halloween, I guess maybe at Halloween. I just, well, no, I take that back. I always have my gourds and my little multicolored pumpkins and things like that, that yeah. I kind of, that are mine. But, um, Christmas, I think we both do this. What like logistically or practically, I suppose, is the, how do you work that out in your house? Is it like a table? Is yeah. it display the mantle? Like what's yours? So the mantle's definitely mine. I'm really happy with mine this year. It looks really pretty. Although a certain 14 year old did sneak a little ghost onto my uh, pumpkins oh. only mantle. Mm -hmm. But um, the mantle's mine. One thing I do, Violet loves to decorate so much. And she is like, she probably will always. And she's young enough that she's still in that phase where I don't think it looks good, but she does. So what, what I would typically do is get everything out and let her for a couple of days, let her just tinker and play and put, you know, line pumpkins up along the table that's underneath our TV and do little things. And then like just little by little while she's at school, I'll reclaim the space more generally, or I will also let her take stuff to her room. So we've done that the last couple of years with Christmas decorations. It's the stuff that I'm ready to get rid of. But instead of getting rid of it, I say, oh, you can do whatever you want with this in your room. So it's a little bit of like, I would say a sliding scale. The thing, the thing that's really mine is the mantle and the sort of formal living room is sort of mostly mine. The top of the piano, there's a few other surfaces that I'm going to style my way, but then there's always like this sort of messy few days where the decorations have been unearthed from the garage, but they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're sort of like anybody's. So I, you know, Violet, it's like, gives her a chance to like work out that creative play. And she usually doesn't mind too much if I end up redoing, you know, something that she's arranged. So she's, yeah. she's really the one that I still have that tension with. Yeah. I've got um, a little table at Christmas time. And it's funny because the piece of furniture that was my like mom's Christmas table has actually, I don't actually own that piece of furniture anymore, but now I just chose like a different flat surface. Yeah. And it's like the, the little collection of things I have that I really want to just be laid out a certain way. Uh -huh. And I don't want anyone messing with it. 
every year that's mine. And, and for the most part, people leave it alone because there's enough places for them to get creative with their own stuff. I so, yeah. yeah. Can I bring up, so we've talked a lot about decor and stuff. I want to bring up a couple of other places in the mid bell curve that I guess feel challenging for me and maybe you can just validate or it'll help somebody else. So one is about kids having plans and making plans. And this is now, I'm going to say probably gets to its height with older elementary through tweens and young teenagers who can't drive. Um, With Halloween specifically, like my older two kids have um, like Halloween parties they're invited to. Um, I mean, age appropriate, like pumpkin carving parties, but still they're at night. So like I'm now faced with I want my kids to be having their own social fun. But where we live and how spread out people are, that is a lot of driving. So I'm realizing that this stage is no longer like, okay, we're going to the pumpkin patch as a family of five. But it's more like who's invited to what? And it's everyone's all over town um, on different nights. And I'm sure that the um, Christmas holidays will be the same. We're coming out of a couple COVID years. So I feel like this holiday season might be even more social and even more so-and-so wants to go to the choir concert. And there's like a, you know, so that is, it's not, this is not complaining. It's just a shift in how I think about like holiday fun. It's no longer the five of us and it's definitely no longer what I choose. In fact, I think I'm in the taxi driving years. So that's, that's one. And the other, I can't go a Halloween without mentioning the, the boo tradition that has come around the last decade or so where you are anonymously booed on your front porch and there is like um, a bucket of treats and sweets and little games. And then you're supposed to, it's like a chain letter. You're supposed to yeah, boo other people boo it forward. And um, this is probably not worth a long discussion, but I will just remind people that you still get to choose what's fun for you. And there are ways to kindly and respectfully opt out of even traditions that feel like there are a lot of pressure to continue. And I have had years where I did not pay the boo forward. And I have had years where I did, and I've had years where I delegated it to my spouse. But um, if you are someone who feels pressure to, I don't know, continue the, continue the thing, like the world's not going to fall apart if you or a recipient of a boo basket. I don't even know what you call them. Like a boo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A, a boo drop. I don't even know. Yeah. If you are yeah. the recipient and you are not in a place in your life to go assemble a boo basket and pay it forward, I just give you permission to let yourself off the hook about that. It's not to like, it's not to, I don't know, brag on anyone who's into booing. It's just to like make room for us all. So I, it's funny. Okay. I have two. I'll address both of those topics because up until this year I lived my kids and I through most of the time I had, well, all the time I had five, but most of the time I had like a bunch of school aged kids. We lived in a town where everything was within uh, at most a five minute drive, but Mm -hmm. usually an easy bike ride for one of said kids. Yeah. So like all of the, the rush you're talking about and the additional activities and things like that, I was a little shielded from like, all I had to do was make sure that they had the five bucks in their pocket or whatever the gift if needed. And even as the kids got older, sometimes I would just send them to the store to get their own stuff. Like that's small town life. And it, it really worked out this year. I can really see like Clara's already making big trick or treat plans and it's going to involve a lot of, um, me waiting around, I think, and, uh, 
getting her to various different places. And that's just kind of life now that we're 10 minutes out of town. Yeah. You know, maybe more like 12 minutes out of town, which is still not a lot. And I know even, I mean, it's kind of funny because I am like an entire village further away than I used to be. And I'm still probably less of a drive than you are to some other people in your area. Cause it's yeah. just a bigger Metro area and yeah. you can be in the same zip code even, yeah. but have it be pretty far apart. So that's something I haven't dealt with yet. Um, but could, this could be the year and, uh, the booing thing. I, we had two years where booing like half-heartedly started in the neighborhoods that we were in and then fizzled both years. And I actually remember one year being kind of disappointed because I was hoping to get booed because I was like in the right mindset for it. I was like, Hey, I got time on right. my hands. I got some creative energy. I've got some extra craft supplies laying around. Boo me. And Boo no me one did. Boo me people. <laughs> and then one year I got booed and it was just like the worst possible timing. Yeah. And I feel like we just didn't do it. Yeah. Like maybe we just like, there's no way to let the person know I'm not going to do no. it. Right. Cause no. it's anonymous. So I couldn't go back to like, like dear booer. No, it's anonymous. You and then so you're supposed your to, efforts. like, if you get booed, then usually you're supposed to then boo two people. So it kind yeah, of like spider. No one will ever your... know no. if you don't boo. And then one year I did very half-hearted booing. And I think I can't say for sure, but I feel like we bought slice and bake cookies and oh, I had right. the kids decorate them and the kids pick out a house to boo. And that was it. Like, yeah. it was like the most low level booing. So it's like, you know, you can either do it, yeah. um, you can skip it, or you can just kind of half-heartedly do it and make your kids do all the work. I mean, I'm just going to go on record and confess that in my most grinchy Halloween seasons, to mix ho holiday metaphors there, I would see a boo basket on my front porch because I lived in a very boo-happy boo neighborhood. <laughs> and I would be like, gosh, I don't want yeah. the pressure. I don't want my kids getting into all this stuff and I don't want the pressure to turn it around. And I had a very close knit neighborhood where I felt like I had to. And, and then hearing you talk about some years, you're just more up for the booing. Some years you're like, come on, boo me. And other years you're not. And that like moms who are on the newer side to this, you have, there are many holiday seasons ahead. So leave yeah. room for yourself to have a non booing year and leave room for other people to go crazy with the booing. And there's, there's a place for us all. So that's you what know, I have you to say do. about that. What? You could just take the boo basket off your porch and <laughs> put go it put it on someone else's. Seriously. Yes. Seriously. You've just like, Hey, you didn't take it. You didn't take it without reciprocating. Yeah. You just passed it along yeah. to a more deserving yeah. candidate exactly, or a more interested candidate or yeah. whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, those must've been the years too, when my kids just fought about everything, every like, yeah. Oh great. The boo basket came with two plastic spider rings. We have three kids. It was like, I didn't have bandwidth for any more. You know how I feel about like plastic party favor, goodie bags. It was that kind of stuff where it was yeah. like, great. Thanks for, I don't know, starting 27 I think, fights. I think because I always lived in older neighborhoods that weren't like that subdivision feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times neighbors didn't know each other that well because it was very mixed age. There wasn't like a ton of young families on any given block. And sometimes the houses can be laid out in such a way that like one house is taking up like half the block facing one street. And then the two on the other side are on the corners facing the other streets. So you don't even see yeah. your neighbor. Like it's yeah. just different. And I think, um, I think I was wanting more. I want to know my neighbors. I want to have yeah. this relationship yeah. with them. And then no one booed me. And I felt like a boo loser. Ooh, yeah. There's no winning. There's no winning. <laughs> well, we, we have to eventually move on to 
to Thank you, you telling us about the later part of the bell curve. But I guess since this is, we will have many more holiday themed episodes this season. We have so many in the archives. And I think the thing we always come back to is you, first of all, you get to decide you and your co-parent, your spouse, your family, what fun you partake of, even in the school years, school age years, where your kids are telling you that everyone at school has an elf and everyone is booing and everyone's going to this Halloween thing. You still get to decide and you will probably have to let go of some of your high minded ideals from when they were tiny, because that's part of the journey. And I think what we always add to that, Megan, is things shift and change over time. Right. So what you decide this year is not what you're declaring is your family's tradition forevermore. And sometimes I think we think it's it has to be. it has to be. So, yeah, that's, that's always the drum that we're beating. And now feels like a good time to just if maybe it's the first time you're hearing us beat that drum. Well, right. And I want to say, too, you know, I've, I saw some discussion about the elf um, going on in our Facebook group not too long ago. We I think we did like a whole episode about the elf. At it was, one it's point been or so long. It's been a long, long time. time. But I guess I would just say that um, there is sort of a feeling that if you start something, you can't go back. And I understand that feeling because your kids will be disappointed. But ultimately, A, you're still the decider. And B, kids can be kind of gullible about stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. So like I have I am not above, or at least when they were younger telling kids something like, Oh, that only happens every three years. (laughs) And like saying it with such conviction, like the whole thing is kind of baloney anyway. Right. Like there's not, Oh, I don't want to give anything away about what's what may or may not be happening at night. Um, while everyone's asleep in your house, but it might not be what happens, but magic happens. And Who's doing the magic? I don't know. I think you get to set some rules around that. If, if the, if the magic's being created, the creator of the magic gets to decide the parameters of said magic. Correct. I guess I don't really have anything else to say about that, except it doesn't have to be that if you did something once and didn't love it, you have, you're stuck forever. Correct. And there is no one right way. So there's room for people to be as excited about booing and elfing as I am unexcited about it. And I truly mean that without any irony at all. Like there's, there's room for it all. All right, Sarah. Well, we're wrapping up by talking about what it looks like when we are returned to that place Mm. of having control or, but it's very different. Like it's one thing to be coming into new motherhood and creating the holiday you want to create for your fresh little baby children. Cherubs. And it's a a little cherubs. And you're, it's before you have all the experience of like the downward slide, the disappointments, the, the happy surprises, the letting go, like none of that's happened yet. So at the beginning, it's just like, it's, it's like you're doing it, but maybe you're doing it almost like a little frantically or robotically. Like I am going to be the best holiday mom. And it's like, okay. Then you go through life and life happens. And then you get to the other side and it's like, oh, okay. So now here I am at least a middle aged, like in my mid forties woman with kids for whom holidays are still a reality, but just not the way they used to be. And so I can reclaim what I want. I can do things differently now. I can keep what I want. If I want to keep that hot mess of a tree forever, because it just makes me feel good and nostalgic about my kids. I can do that. Um, There have been years in the last few, several years, like I'm going to say the last four or five years where no one seems to care much about certain 
aspects of the holiday. And I just sort of wait for someone to ask me if it's going to happen. And if yeah. nobody does, and I don't care, I don't do it. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you don't have to just keep up the list of every single thing you always did because sometimes no one else is paying close attention anyway. And that's not to say like in my house, it would not, it would not feel good because I do put a high value on the cozy feeling mm-hmm. of like, you know, nurturing the home and keeping those routines and traditions kind of going, it wouldn't feel good to just like turn the lights off one year and be like, well, kids, we're not doing any of it. Sorry. The whole you didn't like, ask. So there's no Christmas October coming. through December is canceled because no one gave me their list. Like that's never going to happen in my house. Not that I'm saying, you know, that'd be wrong for yeah. anybody else. It just won't happen in my house. But there have definitely been things where I was like, did anyone ever care about this anyway? What if I just didn't bake cookies this year? Yeah. Or what if I just didn't decorate the windows this year, whatever that thing is. Um, and sometimes nobody does care. It's kind of like, as long as the general festive big rocks are in place, like I've got the right music on or whatever the thing is in my house. Um, they don't always notice all the details. Well, so, I have a quick question about teenagers because I'm newer to teenagers than you. And I know like, obviously we're not suggesting this last part of the bell curve is when all of your kids are completely gone. It's just right. more that like, you have the this time and headspace and bandwidth and fewer people demanding that you do gingerbread houses on this one day or whatever. But right. my question about teenagers, mine, my 14-year-old is weirdly nostalgic about some things. And I'm my guess is that as they move through high school, that even the teenagers might surprise you with the things that are seemingly little kiddish, but that they want to do. Is it normal for teenagers to like, be sort of ironically nostalgic for little kid things. Cause I feel like I'm having a second, like a second appreciation for some of the little kid things that we did because sometimes my teenager is like, Oh, we should get out that book or we should cook yeah. this. Yeah, for sure. I've noticed that I've also, um, a few times or more than a few times, I'm sure like invited that kid to be the care, the, the caretaker of yeah. that mm-hmm. activity. Like, that's part of what teenagering is. And that's part of the reason I think they have that nostalgia is they know they're getting older. Yeah. They're losing some of that magic maybe. And some parts are falling away that they can't ever get back. Like we'll never get back that feeling of being a seven-year-old waking up on Christmas morning. You just won't. Right. So, or even a seven-year-old wandering or a six-year-old wandering out onto the street for trick-or-treating. We can't recapture that feeling. We're all trying in some way throughout our lives. Um, but really when they're teenagers is when you can start to kind of pass the torch because now they're going to become adults and they're going to want to take whatever aspects of those traditions forward into their homes and not even with their kids, but like their college dorm or their first apartment or their early relationships, whatever they get to be the, the keepers of those traditions. And if we don't ever give them the chance to do it, what, it would be very sad that if they like went off to start their adult lives and just were miserable at the holiday. Cause they don't know how to, you know, embrace yeah. it without mom doing it for them. Yeah. So I think it's all very normal. I don't necessarily think it means we have to do everything they want just because well, they're nostalgic true. about it. Yeah. yeah. Good point. So how are you, um, like this holiday season, is there anything you're specifically looking forward to or that the last couple of years you've found yourself reclaiming? I, you know, I feel like the last several years have been a bit of a hodgepodge. Like one year I decided I was going to go and see 
a lot of live performance. I remember having this like almost like a resolution, like this year I'm going to go see a choir concert, an orchestra concert, a ballet, like a Christmas play. Yeah, that must have been before. COVID, that was like, right, uh, 2019. That was 2019. <laughs> yeah. yeah, did it all. Thankfully, I managed <laughs> to fit everything in that year. And that was great. It was like all the things that felt like a huge hassle to do to do all of it. At least I was often doing some of it, but like the things that I could never fit all of that in when I had a bunch of little kids, I managed to fit it all in 2019. And then the pandemic happened. And of course that didn't happen for a couple of years. And we really hunkered down and things went much more traditional for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. I think I overspent frankly on gifts two years in a row. Um, I think 2020 and 2021, I overspent on both of those holidays because I don't know, like I felt like we were all trying to make it up. Yeah, I like, agree. We were trying to make it up to everybody for everything. And I know that there was some crazy um, Halloween decor. That was like a thing last year, I feel like. Yeah. And maybe the, yeah. Um, yeah. Like where people were just going, like pulling out all the stops to make their homes homey and their traditions like traditiony yeah. and their families feel good. And now what? We're coming out the other side and... I don't know. Like Halloween is going to be kind of the same this year. I, I wouldn't say it's been wildly different and it probably, you know, I don't think trick or treating will be wildly different. I'm down to one kid who cares. And yeah, um, that's starting to fade away. But like, I feel like Christmas this year, um, it'll unveil itself uh, over the next couple of months. I might do something crazy this year. Like I might throw a big party or I might completely change up the way we do our, um, holiday, like opening gifts. Maybe we'll take a trip. Like there's lots yeah. of potential things on the table that I feel like have not been on the table before. And, and part of that's because yeah. the kids are not so attached to exactly what you do. And the traditions exactly. are sort of baked into the fiber, which gives you that more flexibility. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I live, uh, 90 seconds from my significant other. And I don't know that I want to spend Christmas morning with my ex-husband this year. Just frankly, I've done that now six times and coming. I think there's a change coming and there's nothing wrong with it. I'm, I'm so glad we were able to do that for the kids for so long, not just Christmas morning, Christmas Eve too. Like we had a get together Christmas Eve and Christmas morning since getting divorced every single year. We did all of Christmas all together. And maybe it's just time for that to not be the case anymore. So, yeah. Um, well, I was just going to talk about crafting and baking briefly because, and, um, and specialty coffee. So three quick things that I feel like are, I'm in the midst of reclaiming. Um, I'm not a huge crafter and you are more crafty than I am. But part of the reason I don't identify as a huge crafter is I don't want to craft with children and I don't want to craft with children's supplies and I don't really want anything to do with that. I actually really do like to sew and I like to bake and I like to decorate. So um, I think that's been a really cool part of kids being more independent or having their own thing is thinking about more adult like handiworks that come along yeah. with the holiday season. Um, the last couple of years I have done a citrus garland with our abundant backyard citrus. So, um, you can bake or otherwise dry out slices of orange and make a garland. And they, they look pretty really, I think I have had mm. them up even at Thanksgiving and then all the way through the new year. Cause they last forever. So that is really fun. And, um, I'm always on the lookout for something like that, that I can do just myself. Well, actually, Sarah, I'm really glad you brought that up because it reminds me of two things that I forgot to mention. One is that I have spent the last couple of Christmases, um, embroidering gifts. And that is not something I ever would have been able to do when my hands were full with little ones. Like 
just even when they were little enough to still be wanting to snuggle up next to me on the couch and put their head on my arm a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) even that level of you can't do that when you've got a needle in your hand and you're, and you're new and not very good at it. And so it's like the last couple of years, I've spent a lot of time over at Eric's house on his couch, stitching or not knitting. Um, yeah, stitching and embroidering. So doing needlework, that's the word I was looking for. So there's that there's like those solo activities are great, but I also, to your point about not liking to do crafts with kids, I mean, I feel like it's a special kind of person who actually wants to do crafts with kids. Like the rest of us just kind of do it because we know there's a reason (laughs) there's some benefit, but Clara is now almost 14 or she's 13 and a half and she's artistic and creative and skilled. And I actually would like to find some way this year for the two of us to do a real project together, like something where she'll probably be better at it than me, like something like that. And I think that could be really, really fun. And that would definitely be very different from holiday crafts of the past where it's me supervising yeah. glue, glue spreading and glitter explosions. This is totally different, but it reminded me last year, Reed and I played a piano duet that we actually like had to practice all season and there was no performance, but we, I jumped in on his zoom lessons long enough each time that we learned like an intermediate level angels we have heard on high and like oh. played it for the family. So as kids get older, you may find things you can do together in a, to- and by the way, Reed is a much better note reader now and piano player than I am. So same thing. Like I was the one being like, now, hang on, let me get the left hand here. <laughs> Slow down. But yeah. That was really, really fun. Um, the, the thing I said about specialty coffee was just that, I don't know why this seems to relate to kids getting older, but I think it's just that you, I have room in my brain to think about what do I want? What's something special just for me? So Um, my family got COVID a few weeks ago. Now it was like late September, early October was right when all the fall stuff started to come out, um, fall and Halloween at Trader Joe's and at the CVS. And I'd never got COVID, but I ran out for errands a few times, masked up to like pick stuff up for the family. And I just found myself buying the most over the top, ridiculous, like basic fall stuff. Like I bought a really cute owl mug. At Trader Joe's, I bought their pumpkin creamer and their maple creamer, two different like seasonal coffee creamers. Um, And I just kind of went all in on, I don't know, like the basic fall trappings that I might have otherwise rolled my eyes at a bit. And um, that has felt really good. I have enjoyed my super corny uh, owl mug from CVS every afternoon. I am enjoying my pumpkin creamer. Violet actually had it in her warm milk last night. So that's a little Ooh. tip too, that it's not, it's, it in itself is not coffee. It's just a creamer. So yeah, it's fun to think of like things like that, that you can, you can enjoy on your own or you can really get into with the kids if yeah. you want. I hope to see both of you wrapped up in a blanket, um, blanket sweater or blanket scarf, yes. blanket scarf. Yes. yes. Together enjoying pumpkin flavored things. Soon. Yes. Please take that photo. I will. I will. And post it. <laughs> Okay. Well, this was really fun. I do feel like we rode that bell curve together and, um, you are more on the other side of it. I am still very much going to be spending my Halloween week driving kids around and, um, I don't know, having plastic skeletons in my yard, but I'm, I love that we had this conversation. It makes me appreciate all of the different phases. So this was great. Well, our next newsletter is coming out tomorrow, Sarah, and this is something I need to check out because we've got a list of advent calendars. Um, to pop in your cart now. So, you know, before they run out, which they will, but that reminds me that the other day, speaking of kids and their nostalgia, 
Clara just made this offhand comment and said, I better have an epic advent calendar this year. <laughs> and she just kind of worked it into conversation and Spoken then kind of like going. a true eighth grader. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I wasn't actually planning anything epic. <laughs> so I guess I better get on it. Or maybe she has to make one. I don't know. I, I haven't decided where I land, but I'll look at that list of event calendars and I'll decide. I love that so much. Um, yeah, Sandy wrote that post for our blog and it'll go out in the newsletter. Um, along with, if you didn't catch the news on Instagram, we have a new subscriber community that's built right into Instagram. So it's a place where like listeners and fans of the show can have a little bit um, of bonus content and a little more, I guess, like, I don't know, intimate conversation with other listeners and with us, Megan, it's a relatively new technology built into Instagram and full disclosure, we are learning it and playing around with it right alongside everybody. Um, and if you already love Instagram, I would say this is a great way to just hang out with us a little bit more, um, yeah. over there. So we'll link to that and that'll be in the newsletter as well. And then we have a more than mom coming up this coming Sunday, um, it actually airs on my husband's birthday, which is what prompted me to think we should do something related to our significant others. So we're going to be talking about our partners and their personalities and our personalities, and it's going to be a fun one. So stick around for that. Come back Sunday and we will talk to you then. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to The Mom Hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. And if you like today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. You can also find us on Instagram at The Mom Hour, chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hey everyone, Sarah here. Megan and I would absolutely love it if you hit pause right now, right where you're listening, and left the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, that's one of the absolute biggest ways you can thank us. And it really takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, just navigate to the Mom Hour's show listing. So not the episode you're listening to right now, but the kind of landing area for our show as a whole, and then scroll down to leave a rating or review. Thank you so much.